I just want to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ for my salvation. You guys know my story. Um, it's never old to me. I was lost and I was bound. I hated Jesus Christ. I hated the church. And his love chased me down like a flood. And he snatched my heart away. Amen. So I give glory and honor for my salvation. I want to thank my beautiful wife. I just come back from a month journey. Amen. I started off in Alaska, Oklahoma. I was in England, all throughout England. And uh, you can't do this type of ministry unless you have a powerful wife as a backbone. Amen. A woman that can stand on God's word and trust the Lord. So I'm in awe. You know, I'm in awe of all God's grace and mercy. And um, I I went to preach in a ministry that was birthed in this church in England. And this ministry is extended to many places. And it was a Saturday ago. It was last Saturday, last, last Sunday night. And they gave me the scripture the week before. And the scripture was Ephesians chapter 3. I don't like people giving me scriptures. I have over 100 really good sermons. Amen. <laughs> that I spent time with the Lord and I wrestled with and I got, but they gave me a scripture and Ephesians was Ephesians chapter 3 and they asked me to please preach on this chapter and I I wrestled with it, I digged in it Uh, I have a little bit of rebelliousness in me I don't like people telling me what to preach on so it was a little bit more harder to put together the the message and then um, I heard about Francis Chang he preached on Ephesians chapter 3 and since Liz didn't know I was going to bring it up we don't usually do that. But the verse I'm preaching on is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. And Paul writes in Ephesians, and here's what's going on. It's not that complicated. The church in Ephesus is not really living to the fullness of Christ. They, 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 they don't understand that they have all of Christ's riches at their disposal. They don't understand. They're living like, a, like, like someone who has a million dollars in their bank account, and they're ordering from the, from the dollar menu at McDonald's. You understand? That, that they, they don't understand that, that the love and the blessing and all the power and the glory that's found in the relationship of Jesus Christ. And he's writing this letter, and the whole book of, you know, the whole six chapters are about bodybuilding, right? Building up the church. That's the whole. The key chapter in, in Ephesians is chapter 6. Though you have all these blessings, though you have all this beautiful access to glory, and though you're an heir of Christ Jesus, there's a fight you got to fight. And the key verse in Ephesians is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that you're not saved by anything you've done. You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. It was grace that snatched you out of wherever it snatched you out of. It wasn't that you were sexy, pretty, could sing good, or preach very well. It was the grace of God. It was his love, his agape, unconditional, stubborn, non-understanding love. Why he would choose you, why he would choose me. And so... Ephesians chapter 3, he starts a prayer, and he has like a, like a, like a, like a, one of those moments like me and my son Ryan, he has an HDHD moment. He begins a prayer and then starts something, he says, look at a bird. And he talks about the mysteries of the gospel being, being revealed to him. And the mysteries of the gospel, real simple, in, in 2.21 into Ephesians chapter 3, is that the, the, the Jews were the chosen people. And the Jews were the ones that was given the promise, and the Jews was going to inherit the kingdom of God, and the Jews and the Jews, and you had to be circumcised and have ceremonial laws and all this and all that. And you had to be a Jew. Anybody, any Jewish people here? Raise your hand. If you're Jewish, raise your hand. If you're Jewish, raise your hand. I got my Jewish friend. I got a Jewish guy over there. No more Jewish people here? Well, you, got, you two need to go get some more Jewish people, okay? And bring them to recovery house of worship. That's not a good sign. 
Amen. But the only two people that raise their hand are Jewish. That means that no one else can enter the kingdom of God. No one else can experience his glory. No promises for you. Only the Jews. And so the mysteries of the gospel is that God made the Gentile like the Jew. No woman, no man, no slave, no free. God, he leveled the ground. True anonymity, true equality. He said, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care your race. I don't care your past. I don't care your story. I don't care what you believed before. I don't care how you live. That today you can have the promise that comes from a relationship with Christ Jesus. Today could be your day. And so Ephesians chapter 3, he tells us, he shares about this mystery, and then he goes into the prayer. Amen. We're going to read the prayer. In the Recurrence Worship Brooklyn, we have a, a tradition where we stand for reading God's word. Would you stand with me? I will read it, for you, read it to you. This is Paul the Apostle writing. Verse 14, he goes back to his prayer. Verse 1, he starts the prayer. And verse 2 through 13, he gets a little bit sidetracked. And then verse 14, he goes back. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with, his po with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. May God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this, I, I've been invited to, to participate in this series that Pastor Eden and the pastors here put together, The Way of Love. And one of the things that I've written, everywhere I go, everywhere I preach, everywhere I reach, everywhere I teach, this, this problem exists. And the problem is that there's people, there's families, there's generations, there's communities, there's countries, there's cities being ravaged by this problem of not being loved. When, when someone's not loved, when, when someone, everybody wants, especially when you're growing up, you want to be made to feel special. You know, you want your, your father, how many know, for those who've never had the right hand of the father placed on their head and had their father's blessing, how messed up that person can be. And if you grew up in a home where, where for some reason or another, it could be real or imagined, real or imagined, where you're not special. You're not like my other sibling. You're not like your other siblings. You're not like the neighbor's son. You're not like your cousin. Maybe I didn't want you. Maybe you grew up feeling unloved. You know, when I teach the relationship workshop, we talk about the love tank being empty. When a child's love tank is empty, the child will do all types of things for attention. Unknowingly, the heart is thirsty. And the child looks to quench that thirst. The adults are no different. When an adult grows up feeling unloved, never made feel special, never felt to be wanted, most people in all of recovery, in all the rooms, in all the places, all the, the, the exact nature, fifth-step stuff, it's not good enough. Shame, less than, fear, lack of self-acceptance, self-loathing. And they, and they live this stuff out. 
And so what happens, to make a long story short, I got about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, is that when you don't get the love, when you don't get this love that, that, that warms your heart, when you don't get this love that allows you to, that, that touches your soul and spreads throughout your spirit, when, you, when, you, when your soul is not being flooded with this love, where, where forgiveness takes place and shame is washed away, and you're reassured that, that no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you spilled milk, made a mistake, fallen short, rebelled, that you are loved, when you're reassured, Without this love, what happens is people turn to lust. Real simple. When, when, when we don't get this love, and, and, and I wish that I can tell you, you can get it from a human being. I wish, I, you know, I've seen many people grow up in great homes. Two, fam, you know, two family home, middle class, church maybe. And this love doesn't come from a man or a woman. This love comes from Jesus Christ. And so when you don't have this, you don't have, so when you don't got the love of God, let me give you one of the points right now. When you don't got the love of God, you're left with the lust. You know what lust stands for? Anybody know what lust stands for? Love under Satan's terms. That's lust. Love under Satan's. So when you don't have the love of God, you're left with love under Satan's terms. Lust. And so this lust can be sexual, this lust can be emotional, this lust can be of power, this lust can be, it can be a position in the church, this lust can be religious. James says, every man is drawn away by his own lust. Every pastor, every elder, every deacon, every sponsor, every sponsee, every man is drawn away by his own lust. And so this is why this letter that Paul is writing is so important because without the love of God, real simple, without the love of God, the people are doomed to live out the lust of the flesh. And so we're going to go on a journey real quick. I'm going to read to you some of these scriptures. Let me give you a couple of quotes. Mother Teresa said, the poorest of the poor are those who feel that they are unloved. She said this, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical disease with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love, and there's a hunger for God. Let me read to you a quick story. Max Lucado tells a story. He says, in the summer of 1980, some of you guys are of age would know what's going on here. In the summer of 1980, a story about an attractive girl who was a young and successful star in the United States. The story broke the evening news with the headline, Judith Buckner was dead. It was number 106 that year in the steamy city of Miami in the month of June. She was 38 years old and weighed 109 pounds. She was stabbed seven times and also strangled. What struck the nation that steamy day was not just her murder, but her diary. She had kept a diary of her life, and the reporter started reporting what she had written in it. It unveiled a painful epitaph to a very lonely life. One writer made the, these comments about Judy, a character in her diary, which was her. The character struggling to find love, weary of all the broken promises of love. She has a voice which is yearning for love. The character Judy, at age 38, had many lovers over the last 56 months. 59 lovers to be exact. No, she was not a prostitute, but actually lived in a lavish place called Coconut Grove. 
She was a successful woman of business, but a loser at real love, amazing love. She wrote, where are the men with flowers and music? I feel so old, so alone, unloved, unwanted, and abandoned, and used up. I want to cry and sleep forever. I am alone. I want to share something with somebody. Her diary was filled with loneliness and despair. She was a success at work, respectable designer clothes, apartment overlooking the bay, a jogger, successful in the eyes of the world, but really alone in her life, very alone, unloved. So there's this, Paul, this letter that Paul is writing, it says a couple of things. I want to, I want to get into them. I'm gonna, we're going to stop at my, the side of my term is called love drunk. And I text Louise. I said, Louise, I'm, you know, she said, love drunk. Do you mean drunk in love? I said, no, love drunk. And then I text somebody, I said, love drunk. So three people asked about, you know, you ever seen somebody who's been hit so many times in boxing, the way they're left talking? Remember what it's called? Punch drunk. Right? You ever seen somebody intoxicated with alcohol, how they walk, how they talk? Right? So, so my, my hope is that when we leave today, that the power of God would move. And that you'd be so filled with the Holy Spirit and God's love that it would affect your talk and your walk. That you'd be intoxicated with God's love. That you would drink from the wells that never run dry and never be the same again. Amen. We're believing for power and, and a move of God that this eve, this afternoon. So let me, let me share a couple of things with you. So he says in, in verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father. So he's praying to God. He's kneeling. And just real quick, when we come to prayer, so many people get caught up in a position. It doesn't matter the position. It's, the, it's, your, it's, your, it's not the posture, but it's your heart. Doesn't matter, but it's your heart. So he kneels. Kneeling is a sign of humility. So most people, when they come to church for the first time, we don't understand why they, we raise our hands. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of surrender. You got no problem raising your hands when the police come, right? Well, I've been driving some of you guys in the car. You get pulled over. You're like, you've been here before. Hands outstretched. And so when it comes to surrender, you know, a posture of humility, raise our hands as a sign of surrender. This is not a stick-up, it's a surrender. Right? And so just a humble posture. It's not so much the physical, though, it's the heart. Amen? So he says in verse 15 that all the families are from God. If you're alive today, you, you know the general grace of God. Just the general grace of God. You might not know God personally, but you know the general grace of God. Amen? So verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. Somebody say glorious riches. He has, he has riches that are untold, riches that you know not of. There's, there's untapped riches that as you, as you press in, as you seek the Lord, as you do what you got to do, you, you come from glory to glory to glory, from riches to riches to riches. And I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about more spiritual. And trust me, when you're spiritually enriched, the physical will follow. Spiritual first, Amen. So that his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Somebody say inner being. Somebody say his power. He wants to strengthen you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So he wants to strengthen you in your inner being. I, I, want, I want to share something. How does this happen? How does, how does God strengthen you in your inner being? Where's Jason? I can't see. Where's Jason? Jason, Jason, stand up real quick. Jason, stand up. He just had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. I love you. Amen. Jason. Can you put that picture for me up? Can you put that? Thank you, Jason. Can you put that picture for me up? This is, this is Jason before and after Recovery House of Worship. <laughs> okay, no. All right. L leave it up. L leave it up, right? Je How many know that there's a significant difference? All right? 
The, the guy in the maroon looks like Pastor Raymond. <laughs> and the guy with the suit looks like Pastor Edwin, let's say, all right? I said, we're here. Amen. And so, so he, Paul is saying, Can we, I want to strengthen you in your inner being. And this is a display of somebody who's, who's been strengthened in their outer being. Right? Do you think that happened because he just came to church and prayed? You think he prayed the calories out of the hot hamburger? No, he didn't pray the calories out. He, he, some people try. They rebuke the calories in the name of Jesus. It doesn't help much, you know. So, so, so J- Jason, to strengthen his outer being, he had to go to the gym several times. He had to, he had to say no to certain meals. He hangs around me and Jimmy the other day and Louisa and my son, and, you know, and, and we're, not, we're not looking to strengthen the, inner, the outer man right now, amen? <laughs> but you, you pray for us. You pray for us. It's very important to strengthen the outer man, but, but Paul says that physical workout is good for little. But spiritual workout is good for gain for much. And so, so you see a picture here of someone who, who, who wanted to, to do something on the outer man, right? They wanted to lose weight and build muscle and get healthy, and, they, and it took work. He can't just come to church and say, God, I want to have muscles when I wake up tomorrow. God, remove these 30 pounds from God. You know, no, it took work. It took dedication. It took sacrifice. Uh, you understand what I'm saying to you? And so, so Paul's saying, God, he wants God to strengthen your inner man, and the inner man is the most important man because the outer stuff can't keep you in the storms when you're going through spiritual warfare. You, you don't fight the devil. With, he looks great, and I'm glad for him, and he's a testimony. He's inspiring a lot of other people. I just saw Brother Ron, his beautiful feet on a scale on Facebook. He said he went to, from 2-something to 214. It don't happen just by praying and waiting on God, Right? Someone said, uh, God will move the mountain, but you better bring the shovel. So, so what I'm saying is that this is a picture here uh, uh, of Jason before and after. He did some work. He was dedicated, right? Show me, show me Louisa's picture. You got Louisa up there, right? I got Louisa there, amen. This is Louisa, amen. I met Louisa. She was like that. And she went and took some, some risk and went to, you know, she went and had surgery. She does, she does a thing. She had to go and go through a process. She can't eat like, like everybody else. She had to pay the price. To, now, more than physical, Louisa's there, and now she's preaching. She didn't come to the church preaching the gospel. Right? She didn't come to the church preaching the gospel. You, you can't just, it's just not going to happen through osmosis. You got to participate in what God wants to do in your life. So when, so when Paul says, I want God to strengthen the inner man, your inner being, which is very important, because listen, when there's trials and the, and, the, and the people come against you and Pastor Edwin doesn't shake your hand and they don't ask you to give testimony and, and somebody they take your seat in the church, it's not the outer man that's going to sustain you. It's the inner man that's going to allow you to keep on keeping on when you're feeling hurt. It's the inner man that when the devil comes against you and the, the, the demons surround your house, it's the inner man that's going to trust in the Lord. His strength is going to be in the Lord. His power is going to be founded in God's word. And he's going to stick and stay no matter what comes again. It's the inner man, the inner tenacity, the inner perseverance, the inner power to continue moving forward when everybody's giving up. The inner man. The inner man. You know, people tell me all the time, I don't know, I don't know how you're a pastor. I don't know how you did it. I say, I don't know how I did it neither. I've, I've stumbled forward. I've, I've failed my way forward. But it's the keeping power of Jesus Christ. 
So, so when he says, I want to strengthen your inner being, I want you to, there's some things that you got to do some, that you can participate in. There's classes here. Sister Betsy, Pastor Gus, over here in the ministry, where, where we want to give you and part in you the word of God. We want to teach you the word of God. You might have to change your schedule to strengthen your inner man. You might have to move things around if you want to be here today and here, be here tomorrow and not be here today and gone tomorrow. You're gonna, you, you, you want to separate yourself. you got to say no to some things. Jason said no to some food. We was, in we was in Junior's Cheesecake. Junior's. He was over there. Jimmy Jam was the, was the devil's advocate. <laughs> Jimmy, I love you. Amen? So, so but he had, to, he had to say no to something so he could say yes to something else. And listen, if God's going to build your inner man, you got to learn how to say no to some things and say yes to God. you got to show up to church. Not, imagine if Jason just went to the gym once a week. Once a week, he's not going to make no power moves. you got to come three, four times a week to the gym. Get on that treadmill. Get on a, build your cardio. Hit the weights. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Same machine. Do it again. Same gym. Do it again. Same routine. Do it again. In order to get to where he wants it to be, and he's not even done. He's still on his way. What about you spiritually? What about, you know, I think about Louisa. When she came in, Louisa just came from a conference. You know, in order to build my inner man, I'm in California twice a year. I go to, I'm at the leadership summit every year. I go to the, I'm at some places. I'm in my spiritual gym. It costs a lot of money, $1,000 a hit, but I'm there. I know what's valuable. I need God to do something in my inner man. So I got to not buy five pairs of sneakers or six pairs of sneakers so I can go to a conference. I got to say no to some stuff. There's a whole miracle move of the financial cup of coffee. If you just stop buying a $5 cup of coffee and, and spend that money investing in your spiritual self, you'll be a powerhouse spiritually. So, so he says about building the inner man. So he wants you to build the inner man. God wants to strengthen you by his power with the inner man, but you got to show up to grow up. You know how many people get invited to, to different things? Matter of fact, next Saturday, next Saturday, I have, I have a very provocative and challenging word for the movement. And, and if you want God to do something, you got to show up. You got to be there. When there's a class, you got to be there. You got to sign up. You understand? You got to do your part. God is just waiting for some of you to just let go of that TV show so you can show up for his glory. All right. You understand, right? Pastor Raymond loves you. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, now, here's the thing, right? God wants to dwell in your heart through faith. You have so many people, their lives are miserable. They're not doing good. They're, they're tore up from the floor. They're wrecked up from the neck up. Relationships are, are tore up. Finances is messed up. Their inner being is twisted. And then you, we share the gospel. Listen, Jesus Christ loves you. If you're here today, Jesus Christ loves you. I don't care what your story is. I don't care if you just graduated from Yale and you're a smart person or you just graduated from jail and you're even smarter. All right? I don't care where you come from. Right? If you live on Park Avenue, if you slept on a park bench in your life. Jesus Christ loves you and wants a relationship with you. He wants to do something in you that you can never imagine. In fact, you've been looking in all the wrong places for what Christ wants to do in you right here, right now. So he says, you know, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It takes faith. Too many people want to intellectualize. People, some people, they went to prison and they've been bamboozled by some cynical, miserable person who's in prison with them. Right? Some people, they, they get bamboozled. You, you got to look at the source of your information. I've been misinformed by misinformed people. 
I was telling my niece yesterday, my kids were telling me stories of how I disciplined them. I'm from the hood. All right? I'm on video. I'm on from the hood. Uh, um, discipline looks different in different places. You know, um, the guy who said, don't beat your kids, put them in timeout, that sounds great. Everybody loved it. His son committed suicide. So I don't want some parenting skills from somebody who wasn't very successful. I'm sorry for his pain. I'm sorry for his grief. But I don't want him telling me how to raise my kids when what happened to him happened to him. I don't want somebody going bankrupt telling me how to deal with my finances. You understand? I don't want somebody spiritually in poverty, tore from the floor, telling me about God. You understand what I'm saying to you? And so it takes faith. It takes faith that God is sending people out to you. God is sending messengers. God is moving you. you somehow, somewhere, you know, Jimmy Jam, somehow, somewhere, he ended up at the right meeting at the right time to meet a pastor in recovery. God sent a pastor after him. And so how does that happen? God is trying to get your attention. And you can't let the, de- the, the demons get hit you with the fiery darts and rob you from what God wants to do because you want to intellectualize the process. God's not interested in your mind. He wants your heart. And if you give him your heart, he'll renew your mind. And so, so it takes faith. Faith. Believe what you don't see. Believe it. Right? Trust it. God is knocking on your door. So today, you know, and the thing about the whole Christianity, there's all this apologetics. There's so much information. There's so much archaeology. There's so much scientific finding. We have so much evidence. But some people want understanding. They don't want to have faith. And it's different. So today, Christ can dwell in your hearts by faith. Just a simple step of faith. Just you, the words, when we pray, it's not even the words. It's that your heart turns to God. That's all it is. And so he says this, I pray that you're being rooted and established. He says, so, and I pray that you're being rooted and established in love. Rooted and established, real quick, to be established in love. In love. God is love. Remember sermon one, God is love? To be rooted, to be deep, deeply rooted, the only simple creative illustration that I can come up with is, you know those, 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 those uh, big uh, umbrella things that you go to the beach? And, if you, you know, some people dig them a little bit, and then the wind comes and it blows off. That's not deeply rooted. You got you to gotta stick that baby deeply in. You got to dig a hole. It takes a little work. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to maybe get some water, make it hard, so, you, so that umbrella won't go nowhere. So many Christians are here today and gone tomorrow. The wind of the world, uh, the world swipes them away. And so you got to get deeply rooted, and deeply rooted in, well, in love, in Jesus, in God. Some people don't understand. They want to hang out with the pastor. They want to hang out with the deacon. They want to hang out. Listen, it's not the person. It's Jesus. It's God himself that can make you deeply rooted. And so we're trying to teach people here, you know, this is a recovery house of worship. There's a difference between going to meetings and going to the program. Many people go to meetings but never come to the program. The same difference, you can come to church doesn't mean you came to Christ. Coming to church doesn't mean you came to Christ. And a lot of Christians don't understand the difference. They say, I go to church, I go to church. But you haven't stepped out in faith and surrendered to Jesus. Church can't save you. Church can't deliver you. Only Jesus. And you've got to have that relationship. Not a concept of God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship will stir you and turn you and mold you and shape you, and then you'll be a different person. All right. Okay. So here we go. So he says, rooted and established, right? And then he says, that you may have power. Verse 18, that you may have power. So may have power. So many Christians are shooting blanks. They got no bullets in their gun. They're talking like Paul but they're suffering like Judas, right? 
You need power. You need the power. And what power? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power that comes from God. You know, we need, you need to know you have the power of the Holy Spirit speaking forth God's word. I was teaching in Staten Island that too many of us use our own words, different slogans from this, from there. You need the word of God. There's power in the word of God. There, there, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. You, you got to know where your power lies. A slogan, the devil laughs at slogans. Easy does it just for today. I, I, I love slogans, but the devil laughs at those things. You know, the devil, you know, you know what turns the devil away? The word of God. When Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, the devil flees. Too many people trying to argue and fight with the devil with, with their own beautiful intellectual words. These little meme, you know, what do you call those things? They, they try to give these slogans from Facebook to the devil, and the devil just ravaging them. You need to know the word of God. It's power in the name of Jesus, power in the word, and power in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen? All right, so he says this. He says, so you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Here's a problem for so many people. It says, I want you to have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Did he say alone? No. He said a home, he said a home watching the bishop? No. Did he say on podcasts? He says, together with all the Lord's holy people. So many people get it twisted. They think that they can have Jesus Christ on their terms. They think that they can have the power of God on their terms. I mean, can, let me ask you a question. Can someone do whatever they want in a relationship with you? Just pride. Can somebody talk to you any way they want, do what they want, and just, you're just going to love them and accept them? No, you have, you have boundaries, you have standards, you, you have what we call some, some, you know, the love for yourself. We not nobody just walk all over you. So many people... They, Jesus has boundaries, standards, and it says, the Bible says very clearly, if you love me, you obey my commands. And so what happens is you can't do that alone. You need to come together. Somebody say together. together. With who? With the Lord. And why are we holy? Because Jesus Christ. And nobody, if you got holes in your jeans, that makes you, no, Jesus Christ makes you holy. Nobody's holy on their own. It's, we have what we call, you know, the, the love of God has cleansed us with his, by the blood of the Lamb, and we have imputed righteousness, a, a, a holiness not of our own. So, so the point there is saying, listen, I want you to have power. I want to strengthen your inner being. I want you to be plugged in by faith, but you got to come together with all the holy. You know how many people make excuses why they don't come to church? Listen, I don't get $5 if you come to church. You know, we, we don't, we, it's not like, a, you know, we get $3 for every head. No. When you come to church, there's a spirit moving, something is happening, and God can do something in your heart. That's the, that's the difference between coming to church and, and listening to a sermon online. You can't create this atmosphere wherever you're at. God is moving here. The water is stirring here. The pool is stirring here. You understand what I'm saying to you? All right, so you got to come together. So listen, stop with your excuses, rearrange your schedule, come together with God's holy people, amen? Let me give you, let me just warn you now, God's holy people are pretty twisted. Just want to tell you that right now. They're pretty twisted. And they're just like the people on your job. You didn't quit your job. There's twisted people on your job. You go to work. So come to church even though there's twisted people here. All right? Some of you guys got twisted people in your home. You haven't left home yet. All right? So don't make, you know, you could join the hypocrites. We could use one more. Amen? All right. 
All right, so it says, together with a lot, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Listen, this is, this is where it gets, this is where I want to plant my flag. I got a couple of minutes left. Listen, God, think about how wide and how, how high and how long and how deep God's love. Think about your story. Think about the love story between you and God. Think about after you got saved, think about the sin and the disrespect and the rebellion and how you disrespected God and how you turned away from God and how you was even a gomer in God's eyes. How you cheated on God and you lied on God and you did whatever you want to do because of a situation. Think of, I, want you, I don't want you to feel guilt and shame. I want you to feel gratitude because he never left you. He'll never leave you. He'll never stop loving you. His love is wide and deep and long. This, this is this, this crazy. This is not a love like I just love you. you. You can't perform for it. There's no performance. You failed already. And he loves you. And so it's incredible how much he loves us. How, you know, and I can get crazy. There's four parts of this. I don't got time. But that's the, he doesn't care. He doesn't hate homosexuals. My God, the God of the Bible does not hate fags. All right? That's not something that, that a Christian that knows the God that I know would be waving a banner of. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus Christ who died on the cross for homosexuals. Who died on the cross for Muslims. Who died on the cross for atheists. Who died on the cross for those who are against the cause of Christ. For guys like Saul. Are you with me? And so his love is, 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 is uncomprehensible. His love is crazy. His love is deep. His love, listen, it even says a love that you can't understand. That surpasses all understanding. That's why we, mis, we, mis, we misrepresent it so terribly. His love is crazy. And so he says, and to know this love that surpasses all understanding, surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, now here, here's, here's what happens. Here's where preaching ends, and, and either you turn to God or not. Either you came to hear a pastor preach, or you came to, you know, whatever, because this is a religious ritual to you. You came to check in and check out, maybe checked out a while ago, right? And so this is where you get an opportunity. He wants you to know this stuff. Listen, here's a big problem with, with a lot of people. Listen to me very, let him who have ears hear, let him who have eyes see. Everybody that I speak to, here's the problem. They know that God loves them. Right? Especially if you're really a part of recovery house worship. Is, you're here. You're not dead. You're not in jail. You're not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Right? Or maybe you are, but you're here and God's going to set you free. Right? But, but, but you know your story that the devil tried to kill you and the devil tried to ravage you and the devil tried to stop you every step of the way so you would never come to this crazy love affair with Jesus Christ. That you would never get engaged in this sacred romance that transforms. And so here's the problem. There's many people that know that God loves them, but they don't know the love of God. It's a difference. It's a difference. I know preachers that preach God's word who don't know the love of God. How do you know? How do you say that? Well, you got to test the spirits by the spirits. The Bible says real clearly, if you have not love, you know not God. Real clear. I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how great organizational skills are. I don't care how great you, you can read a leadership book. I don't care how good you sing. If you, not, if you know not love, if you do not know how to love, you don't know. God is love. And when his love comes in and you know his love and when it performs a surgery on your heart and it heals your heart, your hurts and it, and it restores your mind and it begins to heal your past and begins to get, change your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, then you can't do nothing but love. It cuts you. It marks you. And so he says that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God, right? It's crazy. And to know this love. Somebody say this love. 
He wants us to know this love. This love comes from God alone. This love is an agape love. This, God, this love is a relational love. This love is one that you got to surrender to. You got to allow it into your life. You got to stop with the shame and guilt. When, let me tell you the things that happen when you know this love. I got five minutes. When you know this love, shame, when the love fills you, shame is freed from you. When, the, when this love fills you, depression leaves. When this love fills you, aggression leaves. When this love fills you, so, self-loathing leaves. You can't have low self-esteem with the love of God filling you like it says in the word of God because he wouldn't die for junk he loves you your past doesn't determine where you're going God's blood determines where you're going God's love and so he wants you to know this love now listen we're going to pray we're going to pray you got to press in only the Holy Spirit it keeps saying by the power the power through God only the Holy Spirit a sermon can't do this a man a matter of fact a man can preach to convince but it's the Holy Spirit that got to write on your heart and you got to be open to it. You got to say, yeah, I understand that this love comes with a price. This love is, you just can't come up here and that's going to pray. No, you got to say, I'm going to pray. I surrender and I'm going to walk out there and live in this love. I'm going to walk in this love. This love is going to change you. When you're drunk in love, when you're with this drunk love, it changes the way you talk. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you, you can't hate on other people. How can you hate on someone when God forgave you? Because not it's, you, you don't know that love in there. So this love transforms. This love changes. Pastor just talked talk about it last week. But you got to have this love. Pastor just talked about four weeks ago. You can't, you can't give it if you ain't got it. So we're going to pray. I think that last song, we're going to go at it with again. This love so deep. And I'm going to give you five minutes to do business with God. I'm going to ask you this and to cry out to God, you know, and Paul, Neil, do whatever you got to do. We got five minutes to just say, God, I heard Pastor Raymond preach. Yeah, he was cool. He spit and he sweat. He yelled, that's great. But I need the Holy Spirit to move in my heart. I need to be filled, oh God. Perform a surgery in my mind. Transform my life. Remove whatever's blocking me. I surrender in faith, in faith, in faith. I come to you. Have your way, oh God. Are you with me?